Bizz, Bizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Alka-Seltzer. By dawn's early light I can't help it I love to live But living like that means Something's got to give I got to get me some Alka-Seltzer Fast, fast Plop, plop, fizz, fizz Oh, what a relief it is Plop, plop, fizz, fizz Oh, what a relief it is It's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And you're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. What you heard right there was Sammy Davis Jr. from 1978 with Plop Plop Fizz Fizz, the rock version of the song Plop Plop Fizz Fizz. On an Artward Human Serviette radio show today, an interview with the Impossibilist, rest in peace, Ravine. Also, I'm going to play the big band version of Plop Plop Fizz Fizz by Sammy Davis Jr. as well. Right now, before we get into an interview with Ravine, rest in peace from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, I'm going to play the Pacific Western theme song followed up by the Ballad of Team Canada by Jerry Dallas followed up by Sammy doing the big big band version of Plop Plop Fizz Fizz. So here is, right now on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, Pacific Western Song on 45. Come with us across the rainbow sky. 
What's that we hear? It's some kind of cheer. The voice of 3,000 friends. And maybe somehow it's not over. Maybe we'll still find a way. By God, if you're willing, by Clarence, we'll kill him. We'll still give those Ruskies hell. There's Bergman, Savard, and Espo. Dryden and Whitey and Clark. At Bouncing Brat Park, we finally got spark. We might give those Ruskies hell. They may have it all. My God, we've got Paul. And we'll give them Ruskies hell. By God, we've got Paul. And we want it all. We gave those Ruskies hell. Some party dancing all night Ended up eating pizza by dawn's early light I can't help it, I love to live Living like that means something's got to give I got to get me some Alka-Seltzer Fast, fast, plop, plop, fizz, fizz Ooh, what a relief it is Plop, plop, fizz, fizz Ooh, what a relief it is so when my aching head and stomach start to boogaloo, I get the Alka-Seltzer and I take two. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Ooh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Fast, fast, fast. So when Sammy throws a party, you better watch out. It's gonna be big, it's gonna be loud. Maybe later on in the morning light, they're gonna need some help that comes on out of sight. Gotta get you some Alka-Seltzer. Fast, fast, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Ooh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Hop, what a relief it is. From 1978, Sammy Davis Jr. doing the big band version of Plop Plop Fizz Fizz. And before that, the Ballad of Team Canada from 1972 by Jerry Dallas. And before that, a theme song 
for the Pacific Western Airlines. Coming up, an interview with, from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, rest in peace, the man they call Ravine. But before the interview with Ravine, I thought I would play some Satan's Cape. Thank you so much, Steve, for passing me on this LP. Now, Satan's Cape are from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and they have a couple songs. We're going to play a double shot. Satan's Cape doing Pig Snout Beer Bong. Followed up by Ravine. Yes, a song about Ravine. And then an interview with Ravine. A bit of Ravine beforehand. Like, I'm going to play a selection from one of his records. You must relax. And then an interview with Ravine. So, here is Satan's Cape from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. With Pig Snout. Beer bong. And then we are going to follow that up with the song called Ravine for the man known as Ravine.
is an unseen enemy of the human mind. Nervous tension can cause you to lack confidence in yourself, to lose your powers of concentration, and to be inefficient in your work. Nervous tension can prevent you from relaxing, can spoil your leisure hours, and rob you of the sleep you need at night. But nervous tension can be relieved through the application of planned suggestion. It is not the aim of this record to hypnotize you, not at all. Instead, it will teach you to apply powerful, positive suggestion. The same suggestion I use myself to relax my own mind and body. Relaxation is nature's own remedy for fatigue. Everybody knows that with relaxation, a tired body will renew its energy. For instance, if you run around a football field, you find that your legs grow tired, but you know that if you sit down and rest, you will feel refreshed and will be able to run further. Exactly the same principle applies to the mind. The mind needs regular relaxation. But how often, at the end of the day, has your mind been too tense to relax? The mind remains tense when it is restlessly turning over personal problems, worrying about financial matters or the conflicts of daytime employment or fretting over the troubles of the world. A mind so tense and strained cannot relax, even in sleep. The night passes in uneasy dreams, and the body is not refreshed as it should be. But you can overcome this difficulty if you thoroughly relax your mind before you go to bed. Better still, you can learn to relax from time to time through the day so that nervous tension never builds up to an unpleasant degree. This record will train you to relax both your mind and your body. Use it regularly. Train your mind to follow the suggestions and then you will be ready to begin on side two. One word of caution. Sometimes, nervous tension may be caused by a physical disorder. If the inability to relax persists, I suggest that you consult your own doctor so that he may diagnose the problem for you. And now, we shall begin. Who are you? Well, I'm just a guy who likes to work very, very hard and has done so all his life. And as a result of that, I find myself in a very comfortable time of life now. The audiences that uh, 
Originally, I played to in the city back in 1962. We find those who are still alive from that time are coming along, but not only that, we're playing to the third generation of the same families. I'm playing to the grandchildren of the people who originally either volunteered to come on my stage and take part or saw the show. Uh, we hear from many people that told me their mom and dads met at my show, <laughs> and that's why they're here today. And you are the man Nicole Ravine. Well, uh, that's sabotaging hoopla and title, you know, you don't take all that too seriously, but, uh, you know, anything that gets the attention of the people makes them want to come to the show is fine. How old are you, Ravine, and are you a Canadian? Yes, I'm 58. I'm a Canadian citizen. I took out citizenship. I'm an Australian. I was born in Australia uh, many, many years ago, 58 years ago to be precise. Is Edmonton your home base? No, but I have a lot of emotional ties to Edmonton. Uh, my manager, who had been my manager for 27 years on a handshake, came from Edmonton. He died uh, last October, very sadly and very tragically, I feel, the way he had to die. And uh, then um, the man who composes all the music for my show, Gary Dare, is an Edmonton musician. And Bob Walker, who has now taken over the uh, complete details of running all of my concerts and working with me in my ventures in the United States is also from Edmonton. So I have a lot of friends from that area, let's say. Do you have a lot of people hunting you down, trying to track you down, Ravine? I'm wondering, like, do you need a call display to search through all the people that are trying to phone you up? No, no. I talk to people. I'm accessible to people because most people are very nice. The cranks, well, then they never buy tickets anyway. So, But uh, no, people are very, very great. I've never had myself aloof or kept away from people. That's not my scene. Who first called you the man they call Ravine? Or well, came up, I think, uh, on an advertising campaign. Um, it happened with a commercial that we had printed, um, not printed, I'm sorry, composed by a man called Gary Thompson, in this case, down in Seattle. And he sang it with a rock group, and it was just coming on the man they call Ravine. So that became uh, the catchphrase for a while on the posters, even on some of the billboards. We had it for on a two or three years there. So uh, things happened by accident. Uh, the title, The Impossibilist, happened once again in Seattle, but that was long before that, during the Seattle World's Fair. I played down there in the old Palomar Theater. That was back in 62. And a reviewer said, all in all, I guess you'd have to call Ravine an impossibilist. I thought, hey, that's a catchy <laughs> phrase. So we used that on our advertising for a long time. Did Elvis ever come to your show? Because he was in Seattle in 62. No, he didn't come to my show. He was filming the movie then the, uh, um, at the World's Fair. No, no, we didn't. Uh, I've been in Vegas when uh, Elvis was there, but uh, we were never part of the... Uh, of course, I've seen him perform many times, saw him at his best, and sadly saw him at the end. But uh, uh, no. Elvis never came to my show. What exactly do you do, Bravine? Well, it's a hard show to explain, but uh, let me put it to you this way. I think the main thrust of the show, and the reason it's lasted for so many years, is I take people, volunteers only, from the audience, people over the age of 18, because I need an adult mind on stage, and within the span of the show, I turn non-performers into brilliant performers on that stage. They do things they never realized could be done. They go out and perform uh, feats which absolutely amaze them. They have no fear whatsoever of speaking in public, dominating an audience of 2,800 people. And they often give performances which are above those given by many professional entertainers. Now, the point is this. 
These talents have always existed within the minds of the, of the volunteers. However, they may not realize it, they may not believe it. Most people think negatively. They think only of the things they cannot achieve instead of the things they can achieve. And as a result of this, most people go through life feeling greatly unfulfilled. It is a fact that the people who take part on my stage do become celebrities. People walk up to them afterwards, sometimes weeks later if they recognize them on the street and say, boy, you are amazing. You did this, this, and this. Have you ever done anything like this before? The person feels very fulfilled by this because they have that moment of fame that Andy Warhol talked about. And uh, then the important thing is the show is very funny, but the audience are laughing with and not at the people. There is a big difference, a psychological difference. Uh, the people do not feel squeamish about having fun because everybody, including the volunteers, are having a tremendously great time at the show. I was curious, are you rich, Ravine? How do you support yourself? I heard you manage another artist in Vegas. Well, I don't know what rich is. Uh, Rich is, uh, you know, I know people who worship money. I've never worshipped money. I've never, money has never been my goal. Um, as a matter of fact, let's say that in spite of myself, and uh, I say in spite because I was tending to be too trusting to the wrong people, etc., make sometimes the wrong decisions. In part of, in spite of myself, I finished up very comfortably. I manage uh, an artist uh, in particular in Las Vegas that I think is the greatest magician in the world today. His name is Lance Burton. I uh, managed to get him his first television special, which will be shooting in March. And I know the world's going to know, well, they already do know a lot about the young man. He was ten times on Johnny Carson, the only magician to be so booked, ten times in a row. Carson declared him after his first uh, performance the greatest magician I've ever seen, the best class. And uh, he has had a tremendous track record of continually pleasing audiences. He won the world championship in Lausanne, Switzerland. At that time, he was the youngest person ever to win it and the first American ever to win it. So uh, I take great pleasure in uh, managing his career and putting uh, perhaps a little wisdom of 40 years in show business uh, on his his shoulders. It, uh, It helps. How long have you been hypnotizing? You mentioned like 1963 and you're from Australia. When exactly did it start? Oh, well, it happened in, um, it has happened right back, uh, well, back in 56, my first shows, but uh, the first full shows, but I was giving shows before that even. The, uh, the point is that it, was, it has been a very long career and uh, a very successful career in as far as the audience is concerned for a long time. I didn't always understand the fundamentals. For instance, when I first went out on tour, uh, I didn't realize the power of word of mouth. You know, you go into a new city, and it was all, almost like a missionary program because they felt that the only hypnotist they'd ever seen was some fellow who probably had a dog act the year before, decided to call himself a hypnotist, would go into town, pick up three or four drunks at the bar and say, jump up and down as if you're hot and you'll get uh, five shillings or ten shillings apiece, depending on how wealthy the show was. So when I went in and did a genuine show where everybody in the, particularly the small cities, which was the only ones I could, and townships I could play in Australia at that time, everybody knew everybody. So the show had a tremendous impact on them. I didn't realize this till an old showman called Raymond Alfred saw took me in tow and said, let us go back to all the cities you, f- uh, you first played. I said, you're crazy. I didn't do business there. He said, go back. Of course, we went back and it sold out. That taught me a lesson. If you give an audience a quality performance, uh, the or- concert audiences are very loyal. They tend to keep coming back and expanding and building over the years. But, um, you know, I dropped the word hypnotism many, many years ago. 
I was very frustrated on all of my first tours through this country and everywhere. I was, I found myself continually explaining away the mythology surrounding hypnotism, explaining that it wasn't really asleep and it wasn't a trance, it was only a result of suggestion. And it is interesting that the founder of the word hypnotism, Dr. James Braid, by the end of his life wanted to drop it. He wanted to call it monoideism because hypnotism comes from a Greek word hypnos, which means to sleep. Uh, however, the word had become far too, more, uh, too sensational by then and people started to carry on and believe the and archaic theories that it was a trance state when the trance wasn't uh, evident at all. As a matter of fact, the person could be so hyperactive at one point if you suggest it that it uh, would negate any idea that there is a trance state. And the sleep was only a result of suggestion. I found I could get the same result by suggesting me, uh, mere relaxation. Now, I had my chance to do that in 1973. A group of doctors walked up to me in Salt Lake City and they said, look, your techniques are vastly different to anything we are learning in any of the courses we take in LA or anywhere like that. They said, would you work with us and try to share with us your techniques and perhaps try to find avenues for using it in medicine? I said, well, gentlemen, I'm no quack. I'm not trained medically. I said, you tell me the results you wish to bring about medically, and I will, you know, uh, uh, I'll uh, coin the uh, phraseology for you, and I'll also uh, put the suggestions together which are going to motivate the people. So I, we worked for six months and it was very enlightening. We worked in about every phase in the medical field and did find tremendous results. But one of the rules I laid down, I said, I do not wish to call it hypnotism. I said, I think that's counterproductive. People think of the last Hollywood movie they have seen. They'll be believing they're supposed to be in a trance state like a yes, master state and all this rubbish. I said, why don't we call it superconsciousness? I feel that that is a far more accurate description of the state the actual person is going to go in. So we use that, and even medical hypnotists who are taking my course there found they had 200% better results by dropping the phraseology of hypnotism. How, how has your show changed, like from a sense of before it was sort of like a mysterious experience no, to more... It never was. It wasn't it built before as an experience, and now it's sort of more like a funny thing, Ravine? No. No, it was always. Uh, you see, it's a very funny show, You, um, but... You can't, you have to sell the personality first. The show was always anti-hoax. People, every person, were, as a matter of fact, my explanation in the earlier days were far longer than now. My talk prior to inviting people on stage was about a 15-minute talk to, uh, compared to about five minutes right now. Uh, so everything was explained. The audience would go to the show and come away feeling they had learned a tremendous amount about the uh, what exactly was taking place, why suggestion was working, and what hypnotism was, and what it was not. So uh, the show has always been very anti-hope. But what I'm wondering, though, is like in the advertising campaign this time, it's more emphasis on funny than mysterious before. Um, why has this changed? Well, I don't think we sold it as a mystery. I think we always said uh, Australia's um, uh, most renowned entertainer. We t said things of that type at that time. We never really, s we never had the word mystery in there, and we always said that it was a, you know, different, dynamically different was a phrase we used, various things, but never was it sold as a mysterious show. Is being a hypnotist good for your own personal life? Well, I would think so. I've been married to the same lady now for uh, 37 years, have four sons, all of uh, whom were born uh, quite painlessly. Uh, through uh, this type of suggestion, and uh, I have stability in my home life. You see, I'm able to turn it off. I don't go around being <laughs> Ravine, the 
stage personality 24 hours a day. As a matter of fact, I'm able to turn it off the moment I step off stage, and uh, which is fortunate because I think my wife would just bop me one on the eye if I went around being Ravine all day. Can you hypnotize anybody? Well, let's get rid of the word hypnotism. Taking a person to the superconscious state, certainly any person of average intelligence can readily reach this state. It, um, the only person who would be totally impossible would say be a person who is uh, mentally deranged uh, because uh, there would be no uh, will control there whatsoever. A small child in general uh, is not responsive. And of course, a person in an alcoholic stupor is about useless because the concentration is uh, almost zero, uh, conscious concentration anyway. And uh, so, yes, any person can. Uh, the person with the higher the intelligence, the better the subject. It, doesn't mean they're going to necessarily be a great subject on the first try because a highly intelligent person may try to analyze what is happening and ask why it is happening rather than letting it happen. Can you hypnotize animals or cats? Because a lot of time I'm looking at my cat Cleo and it's like, you know, seems fascinated by stuff. How about animals, Ravine? No, you can fascinate them uh, by drawing a straight line and they'll stare at something. And uh, But however, you cannot... Uh, in the general term of being able to put the person into, a, say, a superconscious state where you could give them various suggestions which they would obey. No, you would need human intelligence to do that. Does anybody ever fake it to say they've been on stage with Ravine? Like, what is the selection process you go through? How do you know that somebody isn't just trying to be up on stage and, you know, become famous with you? They don't, because uh, what happens is that very swiftly in the show itself, first of all, the whole selection process is inviting volunteers on stage. In this very city, because of the huge opera-sized stage at the Queen Elizabeth, I've had close to 500 volunteers. As a matter of fact, we have a rather famous photo of them just lined up in rows after rows after rows. Now, obviously, you can't use that amount of people in the show. So uh, we eliminate down somewhere between 150 to 200. From there, we'll finish up with about 20% of that final balance somewhere along the line. And uh, then a person who's going up there just to be a clown, well, they, they are lost because the suggestions are changing show, uh, so rapidly that unless the person is in a total state of relaxation and having no will at that time to resist the suggestions, feeling totally confident and positive to follow them, they get lost. And uh, they're, they're not funny. They're trying to deliberately be funny, so they're sent off the stage. They're, they're, there's nothing funnier than true human nature. Can you um, make people reveal secrets or spill their guts without really wanting them to spill their guts? I.e., let's say if you hypnotize somebody like Clifford Olson and you didn't know he murdered people, would he reveal stuff just by simple hypnotism without any suggestion? No. I've worked on police cases over the years and I made the observation that's very, very definite that a person, if they are a liar, will become a very good liar in the state and be almost impossible to trip up. If they know they're protecting themselves, it is not a truth drug. They will protect themselves very, very cleverly. And they're almost impossible to trip up. The only good use you have for it in uh, legal work is if a person has been a witness to a crime and because of the agitation or the stress the time is unable to recall all the details, when placed in a state of relaxation, taking, taken back in a sort of an age regression to that time and brought forward, often things will be revealed in a relaxed state that they could not recall in the normal conscious state that can help solve the crime. The Cowan Ch uh, Chiller kidnapping case, Dr. Kroger down there, who is an obstetrician who also uses uh, uh, this type of therapy with his patients was called in and uh, he um, 
placed uh, the driver of the bus into a very good state. You remember the case where they buried the bus with the kids in this big pit and everything? And afterwards, he is able to recall just one digit of the numbers on the used Cadillac the people were driving. That was enough for the uh, Californian Highway Patrol to quickly run a check and find them. And they caught the kidnappers. So it can be used in that type of case. But uh, you have to be very, very careful. I once remember when they had the case of the uh, bomb that was placed on uh, one of the planes that had left from here. They asked the uh, hypnotherapist in the case, asked the, um, one of the uh, clerks on the counter clerks at the, uh, at the airline if he, had, if he could recall a man in a turban. That is a very sloppy way to perform it. You cannot give the slightest suggestion because the person feeling that he or she is helping out law and order may fantasize seeing such a person. And this would be a very, very false uh, a very false picture. So you cannot be assured that that is going to work. Uh, you must not even give the hint of the suggestion the way you wish them to go. You just have to take notes and just let them try to recall events without any prompting from the therapist whatsoever. Do you believe in hypno-programming, i.e. like Saran Saran or Lee Harvey Oswald were programmed to kill the Kennedys? No, no, no. That's a that is, a, and besides that, that would go into brainwashing, which is a different process altogether. That's, where, that's wearing down the entire physical being of the person, which is a conditioned reflex, which is a total breakdown of the emotional system and reconstructing it. That would have nothing to, to do with any of the uh, programs uh, concerning hypnotism. Are Americans like, say, Ronald Reagan easier to hypnotize and are su- taken to superconscious than Canadians? <laughs> he used to sleep a lot. No, I don't know. Uh, who, who would know? Um, I've never been involved with politicians. Uh, or uh, people or Canadians in, in, in opposed to Americans. Oh, no, no. Americans are more outgoing. Americans uh, have a greater confidence and are more likely to volunteer. Uh, you know, particularly if you play college campuses, we find that you get a higher uh, group of Americans volunteering. They're inclined to be a little more gung-ho. I think Canadians are a little more conservative, a little hold back, and uh, more reserved in their uh, way of thinking. But, uh, however, once the people are on the stage, the people are the same all over the world. In every country I've ever been in, they're no different. England, Scotland... Uh, um, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, Are you very well known in the States, Ravine? Some parts. Where Some have you parts. toured? I, I haven't. Um, uh, Los Angeles. I've done quite a few shows around the Los Angeles. And I'm, of course, known in the Las Vegas area. And uh, I'm known in places such as Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa, Rochester, New York, and uh, Salt Lake City. We played, uh, we played a lot of... Uh, I always try to find family centers because families enjoy my show. There's very little you can take an entire family out to without some form of embarrassment today. Are hypnotists only able to transfer addictions, i.e., like you have a lot of records talking about telling people to stop smoking. Does that mean that like you can only stop them smoking but end up biting their fingernails? They would do that if you did a lousy job of the therapy. Uh, the thing you must realize when you're treating any kind of a habit is that you have to treat the cause, not the habit itself. The habit is only symptomatic, so the first thing you must attack is the tension which is driving the habit. Then you can suggest when you take a habit away you replace it with a habit pattern which is far more desirable. You can suggest to a smoker that he or she will feel far more relaxed by not smoking than 
uh, she or he ever felt by smoking, that uh, the relaxation will be profound each time that they take a deep breath of air. They will, in fact, feel more relaxed and uh, feel their lungs being purified and uh, far more satisfied than they ever would be taking uh, uh, addictive nicotine into the lungs. So that way you can break the person off the smoking habit. That's a very safe way of doing it. The old, uh, the old therapist, when you read the books, had this idiotic theory. They said, it'll taste like burnt rubber, and every time you try to take a cigarette, you want to puke, and you'll hate uh, cigarettes. Well, fine, the person would hate cigarettes, but they hadn't done anything to help the person relieve the tension, which is driving the habit. Then the person would probably have to break out another habit, such as wife beating or something, to get rid of the tension, you see. Marshall McLuhan could take people there without drugs. Timothy Leary needed drugs. Does hypnotism and LSD or drugs mix at all? No have no place whatsoever. One is chemical, and it's the worst possible thing for anyone to feel that they have to rely on a chemical to control their emotions. I think is just surrendering your total free will to the scientist and the dope pushers, if you want to put it, and to the pharmacist. Uh, this has to be, has to go. The entire power is within the mind itself. The greatest high is learning the power of your own creativity, your own mind, and there isn't a single chemical in the world that's going to give you a false impression of super being, but it, uh, I have, I was able to illustrate to my own boys very heavily on stage because they grew up with me watching and I said, now see this person, this person's high on drugs, he thinks his mind's super high, you watch it, he isn't going to make it, and he doesn't, because the mind isn't really helped by drugs at all. Over the course of the years, how has your show changed? Like, did at one time you denounce your act at all, calling it a fraud, I once heard? No, whoever said that. That's ridiculous. For instance, you're not going to call something that's absolutely genuine a fraud. I have, pay, I have played to close on 7 million Canadians, which is more than any single entertainment enterprise in the history of this country. You don't do that if you have something that is not on the up and up. Canadians are not foolish. They are very, very discerning audiences. Has anybody tried to fool you? What do you mean fool me? What, in business? So I give you a list as long as my arm. Uh, there's always some clown trying to tell you something, but there's no point. There's nothing to fool on the show. It's not a, it's not a challenge show. Are you able to control different bodily functions? Let's say if a man was, say, sexually aroused, almost with, like, a simulated erection, would you be able to deprogram that erection at all, Ravine? On stage? <laughs> no, I've had, a, I've had a couple of cases where the doctors asked me to work with them with those uh, sexual dysfunction. But, of course, this is quite often not a physical case. It's often quite psychological. And uh, by changing uh, the thought patterns and uh, being able to help the fantasy of the sexual act come forward in the mind, I was able to help out marriages and help people out. But I must state that I do not do this on any regular basis. I did it at that time with the doctors. I kept my promise. I took seven months off the stage. They, in turn, got me my permanent visa to live in the United States anytime I wished. So we did I'll trade off, and it was a very interesting time. Some of that's reported in my book, The Superconscious World, but uh, it's, uh, it is a great therapy. But let me tell you something else. If you want to keep using the archaic term hypnotism, which should have gone out with blue boots and spats. Sorry about that. Yeah, because it's an archaic term. The whole terminology is archaic. But however, uh, if you want to use that terminology, uh, there is... Um, what was the thought process I had there when you threw me? What was the question originally there? It's about sexual arousal? Uh, no, no. Or de-arousal, I should say. No, no, no. We went, uh, no, it was something other than that. You just said a statement after that. What was it? While you're thinking about that, Ravine, I was wondering, have you ever been confused or mixed up with Wolfman Jack at all? 
I looked like this when Wolfman Jack was still a greaser. So that, uh, there's your answer on that. Uh, so, um, no. Uh, we were talking about uh, sexual arousal in, in people. And uh, you said something about hypnotism, uh, programming or deprogramming. I, can you get back there? Have you got it in your note there? I can't remember what it was, but your voice is um, sort of reminding me about something. Have you ever heard of the Canadian rock group Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet at all? Ravine, they do the soundtrack to the Kids in the Hall TV series? No. No. They sample you. You go, you must relax. And, and, and Yeah, I know. That I, there's a lot of people use that, but <laughs> Martin Moll used part of my record, which reminds me, my lawyers are supposed to be checking on that on an HBO special, and I didn't receive any royalties for it. And my records are owned by my wife and myself, so, um, or my wife now. As a matter of fact, I, I willed them all to her quite some time ago, so they're totally her records now. But um, no. Uh, the, uh, you must realize that, oh yeah, I know what I was going to tell you. We were talking about the medical uses of uh, use and hypnotism. I say that I call it suggestive therapy. I think it's a better way of speaking to any of these type of therapies. That it is never, never has been or ever will be a medical cure-all. It is not a panacea for all illnesses. It cannot perform miracles. But I will say this, when used with conservative medical practice, it can be a very, very powerful tool. So where do you see the future, the man they call Ravine? Well, I don't know. The man they call Ravine is just enjoying life a little more. I do not do a lot of tours. I'm only performing for one month this year, just playing about five of my favorite cities. I may perform in Ottawa in October. It depends on the clearances on the theater. Apart from that, I will not be doing anything again until next February, and then only for four weeks, and then maybe for four or five weeks uh, later next year, going back to see my friends in the Maritimes. But uh, I'm very involved with television production with my star in Las Vegas and plans for his career. I like to travel a lot with my wife and enjoy life, give her a lot more home life than she's had before. They're the things that matter. You know, when, it really, when you really analyze it, nothing, nothing in the world's worth a damn outside of family. That's the most important thing. If family's strong, then you've got everything happening. If you don't have family or friendship, you have nothing. Why should people care, winding up here, about the man they call Ravine? Ravine? Well, why should they care? I don't know what they... Uh, why should they care about seeing the show? If you deliver entertainment, this wall-to-wall entertainment, right from start to finish, then people will come to see it. People um, like to be entertained. They like to have fun in a live theater. There's nothing better than live theater and feeling live laughter around you, people enjoying themselves. Uh, that is what I've supplied, and that's what I'm famous for, and as long as I can supply it, I'll keep performing. The moment I know that I can no longer reach my... Uh, mental or physical peak on stage, then I'll stop. I'll be the one to decide when the career's over. And you were there that night that Keith Richards was busted in Toronto? It was you that he saw before he got busted in the 70s ravine? Yeah, he did. He came with his kid. little kid called Brandon. I remember the kid was very hyper. That's one thing I do remember. He was running around all over the audience. And Nina von Pallen... Uh, what was the name of... Anita Pallenberg? Yeah, Pallenberg. That's right. Anita Pallenberg was there, and she was there, and they stayed behind, told me they enjoyed the show. But that wasn't the show. That was a magic show. I also have experimented with uh, big illusion shows long before Henning, Copperfield, or any of them. I was uh, just as a family hobby, more or less, building these multi <laughs> $100,000 spectacles. And the last one was a million and a half thousand, a million and a half uh, a dollar spectacle of uh, big magic shows. 
which I did for a time and enjoyed them, but it was only treated as a family hobby because my true work is the work I do. But uh, that's the show they saw in Toronto at the Young Theatre, which is now called the Elgin. Was Margaret Trudeau there, or has she ever been in the audience? That all happened at that time, but uh, I don't, you know what she did say to me? I was uh, playing, uh, her name was Sinclair, and you know, she came from this city. West Vancouver, BC, Canada. Uh-huh, and she had a TV show after she had left uh, Pierre Trudeau in Ottawa. And the first thing she came up and said to me on the set, she says, my daddy took me to see you when I was a little girl. <laughs> so, you know, you get this a lot, people saying, hey, uh, you know, uh, I came to see you when I was a kid this high. And so this is very common. All right, Ravine, thanks so much, and keep on rocking the free world. Oh, thank you, guys. Uh, we're enjoying ourselves. Uh, people need laughter. There isn't too much funny on the headlines anymore. When people go to a show, they want to have fun. They don't want a message. All right, do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> Da-da. Now, let us begin. You are going to relax. So begin by making yourself perfectly comfortable. Sit down in your favorite chair, the chair in which you do your reading, your thinking, and your relaxation. Or lie down on your favorite couch. Drop your arms to your sides. Relax completely. And now, listen to my voice. Find one spot high, high above your head at an approximate angle of 45 degrees. Gaze at it intently. Don't strain your neck muscles. Keep the neck straight and relax. Turn the eyes upward and gaze intently at that one spot. Breathe deeply and relax. Now that's perfect. And even now, as you are gazing there, your eyes are becoming warm, moist, watery, heavy, and tired. It becomes increasingly hard for you to keep your eyelids open. Breathe in, that's right, breathe deeply down into the bottom of your lungs, and now out with a sigh. And as you are gazing there now, your eyes are warm, very moist. They are watery. Your eyelids are so heavy. And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And you just heard right there an interview with the man they call Ravine. Right now, I'm going to play something Canadian content. Ravine is actually from Australia, but here is Jackie Sheen from the USA. And yes, I have played this before, but he record, she recorded a live album in 1967 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I've played some Jackie Sheen before, but I'm going to play it again because this is an amazing live take recorded in 
1967 of Money. Yes, you've heard the song Money many times before, but Jackie's monologue in this is incredible. So we're going to hear from a brand new Numero group recording, any other way, Jackie Shane. And then we are going to hear a little bit of Good Grief, Charlie Brown. Some peanuts on CITR Radio, the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Thank you, thank you so much. Well, that's the way we like to see you being. We want you to have a good time. This time we want to do a little number for you. We had the pleasure of recording a few years ago when I first got with the group. The little thing we call money. I hate to do this number. You know, my doctor warned me against it. He said it was bad for my heart. It's contagious with me. But we're going to lay it on you anyway. want to dedicate this to Tony again. And also to each and every one of you money lovers like I am. I need a whole lot of money. 
because ain't nobody sanctified and holy. You see what I mean? Oh, honey. Because, baby, when we leave here, we don't know where we're going. You know, I ain't going for all that stuff. No, uh-uh. I'm gonna live while I'm here. I'm gonna enjoy the chicken, the women, and everything else that I want to enjoy. And that's how I live. That's why I'm so happy all the time. I'm taking care of business. You know, I don't have my woman telling me, Jackie, you can't do this. You better sit down somewhere if you want me to stay with you. You better go out and go out and go on to make the money and bring it on home so we can enjoy ourselves. You know, I don't need no woman to help me starve. I gotta have some money, you know, because I wanna look good a long time. You see, everybody's talking, but uh, I'm taking care of business. You know what? You know, it got kind of cool for me when I came up here last fall. I made it on back. I caught me a jet and went back out to the west coast to my beach bungalow. Frank Motley was calling every other day. I was sitting out there on the beach just as the sun went down. Well, I'm no square. I got mine. You know, God bless the child that's got his own. And I got so <laughs> much of my own. You know, I'm taking care of business, Tony. Everywhere I go, you know what? This is the closest to Jesus Christ some of you will ever get. You should travel with me, baby. You think Jesus Christ had come down and walked this earth again. The multitude that follows me is so great because they know I go along handing out soul blessings, satisfying souls, but I don't satisfy nobody that's a square. You know, you got to know that I need some money and we can get along. You know, I don't want you coming to my jacket. Well, I ain't never done this. I ain't never done that. Well, if you haven't, get up and let somebody who can. Don't hinder my business. You see what I mean? Now, I know some of you gals and guys know what I'm talking about when I said, ain't no point in us starving together. You know, I got to have a little help. You know, I'm standing up here perspiring, getting all hot, working hard. And you gonna sit out there and wear what I done made. Mm -mm. You got to help me. You got to at least kind of top what I bring in every week. And then we'll live happy. Cause you know, I like to live on the fat of the hog, honey. When I leave this time, baby, I'm going on a six month holiday. That's gonna take a whole lot of money. I don't wanna have to do nothing but have breakfast brought to me in bed by gorgeous chicken. <laughs> 
Oh, baby, and I want you, you know, we're making an LP right now, and we want you to buy it. Because the way I live, me and my chicken, <laughs> I need the money. Oh, I need the money, honey. So now listen, baby. When you see Jackie walking down the street or I walk into a restaurant that you're in, I want you to laugh and talk and grin and point the finger at me because if I ever walked out and they didn't point and whisper about me, I'd go back in and look in the mirror and stick out my tongue because I thought I was sick or something. I done lost my touch. You know, because I can't do that. Mother told me, she said, Jackie, she said, baby, I've conditioned you. <laughs> she says, because you take after me, don't worry about daddy, because you'll get paid for, for what daddy has to pay for. And like always, mother didn't lie, honey. I'm getting it each and every day of my life. Sometimes it's fatiguing being a Jackie Shane, because everybody wants to grease your palms. Everybody wants to help you because they know I just don't give a good <laughs> You know, I really don't. I see some people sitting out in the audience sometimes, maybe rolling their eyes and looking all funny. But baby, I like that because they come here each and every night to watch me paying my way through. <laughs> and if you don't, baby, I can step a little further and somebody else will. So I don't worry. I got so much to work with here. Uh, I'm a little piece of leather, baby, but well put together. 98 on the sheets and 75 on the sheets. And I got bed springs on my bed singing near my God to thee. You know you got to have money to enjoy that kind of thing. Talking about money. I don't mean 50 or 60 dollars. I pay that for my French perfumes. I like to smell good, too. <laughs> oh, then I need money, baby. I need a whole lot of money. Lord, that I need money, baby. Wanna keep me happy, woman? You gotta give Jackie a little money. Don't worry about what the people say. If you give me money, I'm gonna love you any old way. Lord, come on, baby, get out there and make that money. Go on and make the money. I'll make it rain or shine. Baby, if you wanna be mine. You gotta give me money, baby Lord, I need a whole lot of money I got money, 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 baby Talking about money, 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 woman It's not coming up, Lucy. It's falling down from the sky. Don't be so stupid. That's just the wind blowing it around. It's coming up. It's coming up right out of the ground. I was right. I was right. I better go home. My stomach's beginning to hurt. So you think that snow comes up from the ground, huh? Well, then, how does it happen to be covering the sidewalk, too? Does it come up through the cement? The tops of your feet are getting fat. Lucy, I just wish you could see some snowflakes under a microscope. 
Each one is different because they have little tiny points. Little tiny points? If snowflakes had little tiny points, you'd never be able to slide on them with a sled. They'd catch on the runners, and they'd snag your clothes. And little tiny points? Good grief, Charlie Brown. All snowflakes are white, aren't they? If they're all white, they must be alike. How can they be different if they're all white, huh? Have you ever seen any green ones, huh? Have you? Look, Lucy, I'll draw it for you. This is the way a snowflake would look if it were enlarged. It is not. It would look round, like this. Just like your head, Charlie Brown. Round. Just like your round head. I wonder if I could talk my folks into moving out of this neighborhood. I feel the need of a fresh start. Wait. Don't go away, Charlie Brown. What are all those stars up there? Well, that's the Big Dipper. <laughs> and I suppose over there is the Little Dipper? Uh-huh. <laughs> that Charlie Brown sure has some imagination. Well, I'm not going to let you bother me, Lucy. The stars are too beautiful tonight. Look at all the stars. Did you ever see so many? They're all over. The sky is covered with stars. Stars, stars, stars as far as you can see. I wonder how many there are. Ten. Gee, I thought you'd have given up by this time. Oh, no, sir. When I get started on something really worthwhile, I never give up. Well, if you're going to count all these stars, I think I'd better help you. Well, I appreciate this, Charlie Brown. Have you counted that little one up there? Which little one? That one? No, that little one over there. Over there? No, there. Oh, you mean the little one next to the chartreuse one? No, that little one right there. Oh, you mean right there? No, right there, right up there. There? Up there? No, no, there. There? Oh, there? No, there. There? Yes, there. What about it? The stars are beautiful, aren't they? You know what I think? I think that there must be a tiny star out there that is my star. And as I am alone here on Earth among millions of people, that tiny star is out there alone among millions and millions of stars. Does that make any sense, Lucy? Do you think it means anything? Certainly. It means you're cracking up, Charlie Brown. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. And you heard a little bit of Charlie Brown. Good grief, Charlie Brown. And before that, Jackie Sheen live in 1967 with money from the Numero Group. Right now, I want to play for you something that was sent to me by Nikki. Thank you, Nikki Reynolds. He sent me an amazing package, and one of the things was a flexi disc with his band Radiation Risks doing two songs. So we're going to hear both of the songs on the flexi disc by Radiation Risks from Buffalo, New York, Nikki Reynolds. And we're going to follow it up by some more Nikki Reynolds. 
and his pushers, his solo release, his solo cassette. So here are Radiation Risks on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show.
No time, I reach no fear, I have no way 
you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there the ah la la's with the earth won't hold me. Thank you, Stephanie, for sending me this ah la la's cover. Ah la la's covers number one, 10 inch. And it's the earth won't hold me by Kathy Heidman. Also covers by Further Television and George Harrison on this 10-inch EP, The Alalaz. And before that, a whole bunch of tunes from Buffalo, New York, from Nikki Reynolds. We heard in that set, just enough acid for, well, going backwards, we heard delusions and just enough acid for the two of us. Plus, Nikki's also also is in another band called The Radiation Risks. And we heard the song Nancy and Headless Horseman. Right now, to end the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show, I thought I would play this record right here. And actually, if you're following me right now on Twitter, you can go to at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, and see the pictures of all the records that I am playing. But this particular record is called Exploring the Unknown, the voices of Walter Schumann. So to end the Nardwar to Human Surfing Radio Show, here is Exploring the Unknown. We are on Pacific Island number 407, almost directly upon the equator where the Earth's spin is at its maximum. The lazy quiet of this beautiful tropical place is being violated by the hubbub of scientific activity as we make last-minute preparations for man's first voyage to outer space. Minus 120 seconds. Hatches are closing. Hatches are closed. Minus 100 seconds. The rocket is poised and we're cradled in acceleration couches. Minus 80 seconds. Soon a spasm of flame will hurtle us into the heavens toward an incredible island in the sky. The orbital spaceport, Terminus Terra 1. Minus 60 seconds.
seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Brilliant gems in seas of blackness. 